James chapter 3 is all about the tongue, the power of the tongue. The power of life and death, according to the book of Proverbs, is in the tongue. This little instrument that can do so much good, but can do so much damage. This chapter is filled with practical wisdom and things we need to hear about our speech and how we should use it best to glorify God. And it's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. The power of the tongue. The tongue is kind of a weird thought or title. Some of us think of people razzing others with a tongue. Like people do that and they're trying to be kind of a kind of smart uh, and so forth. If you are a Dodger fan, some of you, how many of you know Yasiel Puig? All right. Anyway, Yasiel Puig is the right fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he he tends to stick his tongue out a lot. Like he'll slide into third base and he'll go. (laughs) And he does something else weird. He licks his bat in between pitches. No, we don't know what's going on in Yasiel's mind, but it's a rather strange thing. Some of you can remember going to the doctor and the doctor would say, say, ah, and he could look at your tongue and look at your mouth and be able to detect sickness maybe in the rest of your body through what appeared on your tongue. No joke. And so this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the tongue. And the tongue actually in the Bible is a word that is synonymous with language. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm nothing. So the tongue becomes a picture of language and language is a great gift of God. Some years ago, I was visiting an old friend in the hospital and he was very sick and he had a breathing machine on his face. And it looked like he was going to die. At the time, he was only in his 30s. And I had come for a hospital visit. And we had a history together. And we had been done in Bible studies together and had some special times. And he was trying to communicate with me, but he couldn't talk. And I think he was trying to communicate the urgency of what was on his heart because he had had a fall as a Christian. And Part of the reason that he ended up in that hospital bed is bad decisions he had made even after becoming a Christian. And he couldn't get the words out, but all he could get out was his tears. And it was so frustrating to to watch him try to communicate with me. And I think he was trying to share some of the deepest things that he had discovered over the last couple of years. And he couldn't get it out. You know, so many of us, we take our tongues for granted. We take language for granted. Language is a gift from God. The fact that you could say to your loved one, I love you, is a gift. The power of words uh, can edify and they can tear down. There's a Hebrew word for the tongue called lahan. And it means you can either establish or basically ruin somebody with your tongue. The book of Ephesians tells us that our words can either edify or they can tear down. And it ties us actually grieving the Holy Spirit 
with the words that we use. If there are non-edifying words, if they're unwholesome speech, it actually hurts the Spirit of God. It wounds the Holy Spirit. And yet all of us, even after becoming Christians, would say that many, many times we have made mistakes with our tongues. We have, we have used language not to edify, but to tear down. God himself, when he was creating the world, the universe, spoke the universe into existence and showed us the power of words. Now, we don't have that power, obviously. We can't create our own reality. But God has given us language to be able to do some significant things. You all know that with the tongue, people have really changed the course of the world. One writer says, Adolf Hitler moved a nation to do the unthinkable by his hypnotic cadences and demonically energized hate speech, while Winston Churchill, by his brilliant measured utterances, pulled a faltering nation together for its finest hour. The power of speech, the power of the tongue. Churchill would say something like this, if you're going through hell, keep going. He would say, never, never, never give up. He would say, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. He would say, history is written by the victors. He went on to say, never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. And he stirred a faltering nation. And many a preacher have stood in pulpits over the years where great awakenings happened because the Lord used the tongue to switch the tide of families and individuals and to call them to mission. And of course, the ultimate example of this is Jesus Christ. Even his enemy said, never did a man speak like him. And with his words, he never wrote a book. Of course, the Bible is his uh, product, but he never wrote a book physically in his lifetime. There was no video footage of him, and yet he changed the entire world. His Sermon on the Mount, his incredible words of compassion and truth and justice in the right time and in the right sense changed the world. His words have changed your life and mine. In fact, when I walked into a church some decades ago, it was his words that stirred me to faith and belief. And now we are his body. We are his hands and his feet on the earth, but more than that, we are his mouth. He's asked us to go and make disciples of all the nations. He's told us to profess the gospel. He's told us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And he says through Paul, how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? And then he says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. In your life, you're going to have decisions every day of the week, every week of the month, and so on, to decide how you're going to use this little instrument. And the book of James is going to challenge us to use it for good, to use it to establish rather than to tear down. In Psalm 12, David says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another with flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. 
the tongue that speaks great things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? That's Psalm 12, 1 through 4. In Psalm 15, David writes, O Lord, who may abide in thy tent? Who may dwell on thy holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In Psalm 35, 28, David said, And my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all the day long. 1 Peter 3.10 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. 1 Peter 3.10. If you look back in the book of James for a second, James has already addressed this a few times. In James 1, verse 19, he said, take a look with me, this you know, my beloved brethren, James 1, 19, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to what? Slow to speak and slow to anger. In verse 26 of the same chapter, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And so James has kind of set the table for what he's going to give us. And this is now more depth about the power of language or the power of the tongue. I'm going to give you an outline. Um, I will just lay it before you and then we'll go through it. First of all, he's going to say that the tongue needs to be controlled. That's chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He's going to say the tongue is small but mighty in its impact. Though small, it can turn a massive group in a certain direction. That's chapter 3, verse 4. He's going to say the tongue is like a spark that starts a forest fire. It is a small spark but can have large, devastating consequences. That's verses 5 and 6. He's going to say the tongue is humanly untamable in verses 7 and 8. And then he's going to say the tongue is not used as it ought to be used. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who are made in his image. So you can see that there's a lot of powerful stuff coming up. First, he starts with the teachers, because I think teachers in this assembly were quite a danger. In fact, some of them had a said faith. Some of them were misrepresenting saving faith. And so James says, as he opens chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we, and James includes himself, shall incur stricter judgment. Maybe you've seen recently that Jesse Duplantis, who is a word faith teacher, he is on television, came to his audience and said that God has told him that they need to provide money that he can buy a $54 million jet. And so he says, if the Lord was here on the earth today, I guarantee you he wouldn't ride a donkey. That's Jesse Duplantis. Jesse may want to read his Bible again because there were other animals available in Jesus' own time, and yet he rode a donkey. But that's another story. I went on Jesse Duplantis' Facebook page, and you wouldn't believe the ire coming from people in the Christian community and outside of it. The people outside the Christian community, some of which sounded like they once went went to church and now do not, used it as ammunition to say it's all a hoax. These preachers are all a bunch of liars and thieves. Look at this guy. He's had three jets and now he wants a fourth for 54 million bucks. And he's going to force basically his audience to give it to him. And they'll probably do it. 
because there's a bunch of gullible Christians on the planet. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. These preachers are all a bunch of liars and thieves. Look at this guy. He's had three jets and now he wants a fourth for 54 million bucks. And he's going to force basically his audience to give it to him. And they'll probably do it because there's a bunch of gullible Christians on the planet. And it is a sad commentary. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if Jesse Duplantis believes that he's going to stand before God on Judgment Day. But God says through James, don't, many of you should not become teachers, my brethren, because teachers shall incur the stricter judgment. Here's the deal. The main tool of my ministry is right here. It's my mouth. And with the many words that I speak personally, there are many opportunities to stumble. I do not think that James is dissuading young up-and-coming preachers because the book of 1 Timothy says, he who desires to be an elder, it's a beautiful thing that he desires. But James is saying, measure your motivation. Measure whether or not you want to enter the ministry for the limelight and the notoriety or because you truly want to lead people to Christ whether you speak to five, to 50, to 500, to 5,000, or 50,000, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you are faithful, a faithful steward of the gospel. It is required of a steward that he be found faithful. The judgment that James speaks of is a scrutiny by the Lord. He is going to measure what we said and the impact of our words. Our words can bring the hope of the gospel the whole counsel of God to people, or our words can be deceptive. And many a man over the centuries has entered the ministry and been a deceiver, used words to maybe water down the gospel or lead people astray. And I'll just say, if you are doing that, stop. Because there is going to be a judgment and the Lord of the church is going to assess your work. There is a grave responsibility and a great responsibility. I see it as a privilege to preach God's word, but it is not to be taken lightly and it is not to be entered in with the wrong motive. There's going to be a greater degree of judgment for teachers on that day. You could say at the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. Teachers have great influence on a great number of people. But if they represent God and are, they represent God and are to speak forth the truth, if they are in it for the wrong reasons, they can stumble many. 
Thus the great impact of our words. Look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. NIV says able to keep his whole body in check. Now we all have stumbled in many ways. We're all here because this is a hospital for sinners, right? We're all a work in progress. This sermon is not about whether or not you're not going to make a a mistake with your mouth from this day forward. You are. But hopefully those mistakes are going to be few and far between. Hopefully what's happening to you is God has gotten a hold of your tongue as he's gotten a hold of your heart. And that's the essence of it. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have all had our moments in a heated uh, exchange with a loved one, in a moment of weakness. We've all made mistakes and we, we will continue to do so. There's no perfect people. But if there are anybody perfect here this morning, I'd like to give you the opportunity to stand at this moment and come up here and preach the rest of this sermon. Anybody? Okay, I didn't think so. Um, some a pastor from years gone by said, uh, "Does anybody has anybody ever met a perfect man?" And one man, to his surprise, rose up in the congregation and he said, "Yes, I have. My spouse's first husband." <laughs> Every time I hear about him, I hear he was perfect. Anyway, there are no perfect people. We all know. How many of you can say, I've stumbled over my tongue many, many times? And just when I think I've got it down and I've arrived as a Christian, then I say something silly, something hurtful. Sometimes we're shocked at what can actually come out of our mouth even after we've become Christians. Psalm 37, 30 says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. Warren Wiersbe tells of the story, tells the story of a pastor friend who told him of a woman in his congregation who was a terrible gossip. One day she said to him, Pastor, the Lord has convicted me of my sin of gossip. My tongue is getting me and others into trouble. When he guardedly asked, well, what do you, what do you plan to do about it? She replied, I want to put my tongue on the altar because she said, uh, she had said the same thing so many times to this pastor, he told her, there isn't an altar big enough. Ooh, I know all God's people said, ouch. Now, verse three, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Now, James is a, he's a meticulous, uh, incredible user of images. And the first image is of a horse. Now, I've never really been into riding horses. Some of you from Norco are. And uh, you know more about the bit than I do. But with the little bit, I understand it goes on the tongue, and which is interesting, and it controls the animal. So you could have a huge 1,500-pound animal, and you can move the animal in the direction that you want it to go with a little bit on its mouth. I said, Psalm 39, 1, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. Sometimes we just have to say, Lord, keep me quiet right now because there's so much I want to say. Words are forming in the back of my mind right now. 
Help! Ever been there before? Help them not to escape since my tongue is caged behind my teeth for a reason. And since it is slippery back there, sometimes it just slips out. <laughs> Lord, lock the cage. Help me. And like a horse, we can direct our tongue and we can say something like this. Whoa, Wilbur. Whoa. Right? Pull the reins back. You want to say something dumb, but how many times that word or that sentence has gotten you in trouble? It's not been good. It's taken you off the edge of the cliff. Can I give you the image? Whoa. Just stop it. Once when Dr. Pearson was in George Mueller's study, he took a glance into his Bible. He was leafing through it and he came to Psalm 37, 23 that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by Jehovah. He noticed that George Mueller had written by the side of that verse in his margin and the stops. If our tongues know when to go and when to stop, then our whole bodies, our whole personalities will know when to move and when to stop. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and the stops of a good man and or woman are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes you just need to stop. If you don't say it, you won't get in trouble. And all God's people said, Amen. Mm -hmm. Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I was thinking that maybe a good application is every morning, some of you have gotten in the routine of putting on the armor of God. Some of you have gotten in the routine of saying, Lord, here I am. I present myself as a living sacrifice. I present my body. Would you now include your tongue? Maybe you should stick it out and say, ah, divine physician, give me the words. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you today. Just today. I'm not going to worry about yesterday. I can't change it. If I need to ask for forgiveness, of course. I can't control tomorrow, but today my tongue is on the altar. And I think you might see that your life will change. The next image is a ship. Behold, the ships, or take ships as an example, NIV, verse 4. Though they are so great, they're very large, and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires or wherever the steersman wishes to take it, the NEB says. So the second image from a horse to a ship. We have a small rudder and it could be this incredible vessel. There's a thousand people on board, but the captain can steer the vessel with a little rudder and move this huge ship in a certain direction. And it mentions, notice in verse four, in the midst of strong winds. May I suggest that it's in the times of strong blowing winds of difficulty, persecution, financial stress, health challenges, difficulty in relationships, in those strong winds where our tongues really reveal who we are. Amen? In the strong currents blowing your ship around, where do you steer it with your mouth? Where do you steer your family, brother? Do you say, let's pray? Do you speak words of faith and comfort to your spouse when maybe they're experiencing some doubts to a friend? You're leading a company. It's been tough times. You get everybody together and you say, 
oh, there's power in this. Let's, I'm going to steer the vessel in this direction. Though the winds be blowing hard, here's where we're going, family. Here's where we're going, company. Here's where we're going, friend. Because the Lord has given me faith. We have to be careful with our words, especially when storm winds blow. And this is, of course, connected to teachers and those with influence. We have to be careful what we say. There's a story of a woman who early one morning made a mad dash out, to the, out of the house when she heard the garbage truck pulling away. She was still in her bathrobe. She had her hair wrapped in big curlers. Her face was covered with sticky cream. She was wearing a chin strap and a beat up old pair of slippers. In short, she was a frightful picture. When she reached the sidewalk, she called out to the garbage man, am I too late for the garbage? Am I too late for the garbage? The reply came back, no, hop right in. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.